0: A warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our programme.
1: It's the Real Britannia podcast, the very British podcast about very British movies. It's just a bit of professionalism, Scott here, as usual, with my dear friend Stephen. Good morning, mate. Good morning. Good to be here again. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to talk about great British movies, and we've got one lined up today, which subconsciously, you've been laughing
0: with me off air, Yeah.
1: Um, it's quite appropriate for my current situation, or soon-to-be you, current situation.
0: Yeah, you, you hadn't had clicks in my mind for, oh, this is a bit, and then um, until I mentioned it to you, you, <laughs> you hadn't realised that there might be some subconscious going on with your impending trip.
1: Yes, yeah, for those that don't know, we're going to be reviewing Sightseers, which in my mind I think is a criminally underseen movie. movie. Uh, first time watch for Stephen today and the main plot involves a caravan holiday something that i'm going to be doing on monday <laughs> so i don't know perhaps subconsciously i did actually choose this movie you know knowing i'm going away but i'm not too sure but the, the activities of our two heroes in this film i'm pretty sure you know paul and i my mate paul from the stinking paul's podcast i'm pretty sure we're not going to get up to while we're away for the week.
0: Yeah, I'd advise not to do the same things. Um, <laughs> none of them. Absolutely none of yeah. them. <laughs> In fact, yeah, every single thing that they do, I would advise you not to do. If Paul, um,
1: Paul turns up with hand-knitted underwear, I'm, I'm coming home. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> suddenly, suddenly got a dog from nowhere, <laughs> and that'll be uh, a thing as well, I suppose. Oh, uh, and befriending somebody who has made their own capsule on, a, on wheels. That's brilliant.
1: Uh, we're teasing the audience with yeah. this movie it's Ben Wheatley's sightseers let's play the trailer and we're going to just go rolling headfirst into this because it is a very black comedy that's all I can say for the moment here's the trailer guys we'll see you in a second
0: Show me your world Chris
1: Well I thought we'd start with Kreutz Tram Museum
0: Great Dear Mum Yorkshire is lovely not like you said at all they can smile and they do sell my pasta sauce the caravan bed is quite short, but Chris is a sensitive lover. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you can be happy for me. Love, Tina. Yeah, good girl. You are going to pick that up. I didn't do that. If you don't pick up this excrement immediately, then I'm going to have to inform the National Trust.
1: <laughs> Report that to the National Trust, mate
0: don't want this to ruin a holiday. Get in. Never thought about murdering innocent people before.
1: It's not a person, Tina, He's a Daily Mail reader. Say one word and it's...
0: I get it, it's just thinking outside the box. <laughs> the police are pursuing a ginger-faced man and an angry woman.
1: You're a liability.
0: You're just like your mother. Has it gone wrong? Yeah, bitch. bit. You didn't let him see you do number twos, did you, Tina? We both said what a nice couple we thought you were. Oh lover.
1: I can fly!
0: Everyone else seems to find it so easy to express themselves. I mean, even you've got your knitting. You had a nice holiday. Yeah, I had a brilliant holiday.
1: <laughs> Fuck you. Sightseers released in the UK 2012. Directed by Ben Wheatley. It's our first Ben Wheatley movie. Starring Alice Lowe and Steve Orham. Also got Kenneth Hadley, Eileen Davis, Tony Way, Roger Michael, Seamus O'Neill, Monica Dolan. Names that are probably not that familiar. The faces, some of them are... Stephen's going to be talking to us about the cast when we get to the Village Hall of Fame. Now, I've lifted this synopsis from the internet and I think it sums it up quite nicely, mate. It says here, Sightseers is a blissful bit of dark, funny and at times very bloody entertainment. As a pair of caravanning killers head off on a road trip through the beautiful tourist spots of the British Lake District and end up amassing as many bodies as visits to tourist sites. It's an often hilarious British comedy horror that should click with audiences with a taste for pitch black comedy. Now. You've gone into this fairly blind, you're aware of it, you've seen the trailer before I'm assuming, but it was a first time watch for you on Thursday night. Can I just sort of try and get sort of like a judge of where you stand with this? Because I've got a feeling people either get this movie and adore it or absolutely hate it. I want to know what camp you're in, please, sir. I'm in the former.
0: Thought so, because uh, I
1: know your sense of humour to a certain degree. I just hope this would appeal to you. I think it has, hasn't it?
0: Yes. I uh, I think I'd said when you suggested it that I'd had this on my Digibox recorded from when it was on Channel 4 about five years ago and ah, um, well. never got around to watching it um it just sat there buried and wish i had watched it sooner um, <laughs> it sounds
1: like one of my conversations with you doesn't
0: it i don't know yeah. why i haven't seen I mean, this yours movie is usually before. a dvd on the shelf yeah. or a blu-ray on the shelf that you've bought but the phrase that you used a few moments ago with the you know criminally underrated are, I, would, I, I would say it's it's not got the notice it deserves yes um, I would say, yes, absolutely. There's maybe only a small number of people who would truly get it, but um, there's enough people like us with a, a sixth sense of humour that, <laughs> that could, you know, could be exposed to this and and should be exposed to this and enjoy it because they're missing out really um, on it. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's quite easy to try and compare this movie to other movies and looking at reviews on the internet, you know, quite lazily you could say, you know, what's that famous phrase where they say it's like something on acid? You know, carry on camping on acid. Yeah. Two of the reviews I've seen this morning just flicking through, one described it as Bonnie and Clyde meets In Bruges. Uh, Another, quite obviously, Nuts in May meets Badlands.
0: Yeah. The the
1: Nuts in May comparison, I mean, we we can talk about that in a second. But for me personally, I think... It's, it's more Alan Bennett and Victoria Wood going on a killing spree.
0: Yeah, I completely get that because of the the kind of mediocrity of the characters mm-hmm. um, in a way, in which Caravan, in a way, um, <laughs> in, is, has got a, a kind of reputation for being a sort of more... Um, Careful what you say,
1: uh, I'm going away Monday. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> it's got a, a, a reputation... For, for being a, a master dear past time yeah
1: <laughs> it's the observational side of like, you know like how Victoria Wood blessed with that observational comedy and Alan Bennett genius at it yes it's the very little quirky things even down to costumes and behaviour in this that are everyday and mundane I think is a, is a word you're probably looking for it's a very mundane safe yeah, activity it- isn't it and it turns a safe activity into something really quite dangerous
0: well, in, in this, yeah, because it, it sort of spirals off. That there's latent you know, psychopathy in uh, or whatever in these uh, these characters, but yeah, it starts off from a woman who's probably passed her time as far as when she should still be living with her mother. Yes, and then you know meets what could be considered a a, a dull man who wants to take her on a caravan holiday visiting a heritage uh, <laughs> village with trams and culminating in a visit to the pencil museum. Um, in, in, in is, absolutely is, is absolutely sort of delighting that sedate holiday experience maybe to an extreme the way it's described but certainly this plays on on that theme and that way of, of approaching a holiday and then as you say in the, the vein of Victoria Wood picking out on the, the little details it then becomes something else blossoms out of that into something uh, quite a dark flower blossoming out of it I was going to say but, blossoming
1: is not the word is it really i think for what actually yeah.
0: Sport maybe spores out with you know with the yeah. gas to mold. but it starts out looking like it's going to be one thing just a, a, a quirky comedy about two people who, who maybe wouldn't be considered the most interesting people in the oh, in the world it, and then yeah and then suddenly they um, create their own interesting story <laughs> um which shouldn't be emulated, but certainly, uh, a, a, a stream of casualties I think would be the first. The exactly. I mean, um, it's, not sp-
1: it's not a spoiler yeah. to say they go on a murder spree. This this couple that, from the exterior, like you said, they're, they're very much like is it Keith and Anne Marie, isn't it? I think from Nuts in May. Is it Anne Marie? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is, mm-hmm. and. And, 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 you know, it's it's a very boring activity to a lot of people caravanning holidays. And, and But people take a great deal of pleasure from the mundane, as we said, like you said, the Keswick Pencil Museum, the tram village, uh, tea rooms, you know, that sort of thing. But we get this general feeling from the outset that Tina's led this very sheltered life with her widowed mother, who also, as the film progresses, turns out to be more and more eccentric as we go on. Uh, very clingy
0: very clingy and practicing different ways to be found scrolled <laughs> on the, the floor <laughs> as if she's had a you know she's practicing for when the daughter does come home so she can be laid at the a scroll up at the bottom of the stairs as if she's been laid there for days yeah, pressing a panic um, alarm round her neck yeah <laughs> yeah yeah
1: at the crux of the story, at the beginning, leading into the holiday itself, is that we get a hint of something that happened in the house a year ago, because Tina is referred to as a murderer by her mother. Yes. And there's lots of memories and memorabilia of a dog that isn't present in the house. Yes. Uh, you know, the lead is hanging up and there's photos of the dog... And- and, and there is no evidence of an actual dog, and you're wondering what on earth has happened here. And it gets revealed to us in a flashback, doesn't it?
0: It does delightfully. We, you know, we won't spoil what what actually no, no, happened, no, no. because that would you know, the humour <laughs> of it is is again dark humour, but the humour of it is fantastic. But that then spirals into within the present day, as it were, with the film that she suddenly decides to adopt um, somebody else's somebody dog. Somebody else's dog, yeah. <laughs> Which coincidentally, no longer, the owners are no longer in a position to, uh, to care for it. Um, thanks to, to, to Chris. Um, Again, I don't so, want to, I don't want to spoil this too much. I think that the essence of this is quite good because in the promotional poster that there is for the film mm. it says killers have never been so average. <laughs> um, and that captures it, I think, incredibly well. The fact that this film is about people who are quite mundane and, uh, average doing what is a sedate pursuit as far as a holiday that one incident spirals out and then ends up them feeding into each other with regards to going off the rails as it were yeah and having a, a wrong attitude towards other people in a way it's a film that is is littered with Ooh, not just the humor of, of the situation but humorous little lines here and there. You know, he's not a person, he's a Daily Mail reader. <laughs> it caught, caught me instantly. Some of the listeners might be aware from previous discussions that um, I often put in some twist on one of the lines in the film mm. in the chat box on Skype yes. uh, before we start actually calling each other, just to let Scott know I've arrived, mm. on online really. <laughs> and in the film she, she says about the fact that she, she can't go on holiday without potpourri. <laughs> um and, um, probably, we can podcast about Potpourri but yeah. uh, it's it it there's silly little lines in there that are, are humorous that's and the- almost throw away in, in some yeah. respects. I think you know that's just why I was going to be happy to rewatch it soon.
1: that's the Victoria Wood side of things to me exactly. that, obs- that observational. Yeah. You know, you could imagine Victoria Wood making a gag about potpourri that she probably had somewhere in you know, in the as seen on TV. I bet there was a gag to do with potpourri or flower arranging. Think, or yeah, something. I think I seem
0: to remember standing up uh, doing a whole r- routine about potpourri. Yeah. Yeah,
1: so. Amazing. And, and and that was the thing that struck me, was that observational side of things. Because the script was written by the two leads. I think I read somewhere, wasn't it, mate? It wasn't actually fully scripted as such, but the two leads took a great deal. It wasn't improvised. They actually wrote their characters. And it works really well. It really does. And as you say, what you think might just be a gentle Mike Lee-type uh, situation for 90 Minutes goes down this dark, twisted, very
0: black route,
1: It's not particularly, well, I was going to say it's not particularly gruesome, but there are some quite gruesome
0: deaths in this. There are, uh, but it's in some way seeing the aftermath as gruesome rather than the actual act in some ways.
1: And it is comic in a way, isn't it? It's not gratuitous in that respect, yeah. uh,
0: Yeah, and there is a comedic element to, to the absurdity of these deaths. And you're right that the, the the film was sort of penned by the, the two lead uh, actors, which I think gives them a, a great ability to inhabit the characters because they're the ones that created and wrote them. Yeah. But, yeah, it was taken from that point of view because Alice Lowe had appeared in, I believe it was Hot Fuzz.
1: I think she was in one of them, wasn't she? Because she, Edgar, Edgar she was Wright's in one of the,
0: these, one like, yeah. of the, the yeah. Edgar Wright films, and so she knew Edgar Wright and, therefore, He looked at it for her and decided he was going to put his weight behind it because he liked it, and that helped it get the backing to get produced. I I assume it must be intentional. That's why the the catalyst for the start of this um, killing spree um, is a Cornetto.
1: He is. Oh my god, I, I didn't realise. I remember it being an ice cream, but of course, Nega Wright was a producer on this.
0: On the, on the Cornetto trilogy, as it's oh, um, sometimes referred to, which is Sean of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and World's End. Yeah. With um, exactly. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, yeah. Um, so um so yes that's a catalyst for it but it is the characterization is is beautiful they just truly in, inhabit these characters and with the the full mundanity of them but also the say just to some extent being complete psychopaths as well
1: well the thing is he's got good sort of like moral compass you know he, he believes that you know People shouldn't be little bugs. People should be polite. But he takes it to the nth degree. This is what happens in the, the the killing spree. You know, the trigger is that somebody is doing something that would just be petty to you and me, and but like a slight niggle or a slight, you know, annoyance. And his reaction to those everyday little niggles is, is murder. But he's it, quite creative in the way that he does it. You know, the first time it's 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 made to look like an accident. Second one is actually quite very deliberate (laughs) you
0: know well you know from that catalyst of him doing that and and her realizing that it might or might not have been deliberate then that provokes her into just opportunistically doing her own exactly it kind of then becomes a tit-for-tat thing whereas right well you've done what; it's my turn now
1: (laughs) and her her change into you know mild mannered stay-at-home-with-mum-isolated-woman into mad-murderous, you know, isn't jarring. It's quite believable in a way. It, it doesn't look like, well, how has she suddenly become a killer? You don't think that throughout the movie, do you? It's quite acceptable for her to do this.
0: Yeah, and it's almost as if she's been a woman on the edge for a long time, and exactly. it's it's simply taken the the, the circumstances there have been outside of the suffocating clutches of her mother that suddenly she snaps and that's it. That she <laughs> true abilities and character comes out. Newfound no um, freedom. Yeah, it's all believable. Yeah, like you say that it doesn't suddenly feel jarring that there's this there's a, a turn from it being a sedate man observational thing about a caravan holiday to it being a spree it happens just organically and work you know there's no difficulty in that transition
1: totally believable as we say we'll come back to the plot in a little bit i want to if we may mate for you to grab your keys and get ourselves off to the village hall of fame because it's quite a small cast and it's a cast of people i don't think we've seen many of previously but i know there's going to be a couple of names that crop up mate so let's pop over to the village hall of fame and see who's there Okay, Village Hall of Fame, Stephen, did this bother you too much this week, mate? I'm going to assume it wasn't too taxing for you.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, a a peek behind the curtain for the listener is that we have snuck in an extra record within the last week with Tony, Mm. and that film that we did had um, over 100 people in the cast, (laughs) and the majority of those uh, had either been on the podcast in one of the films before, or... In some cases, had been on 11, 11 or 12 times. <laughs> so that was quite a contrast to, to this one, whereby technically mm. we could be claiming that the two leads in this, um, Alice Lowe and Steve Orham, could qualify for two appearances due to the fact that they were the writers as well as the stars of, of yeah. this. Um, yeah. Otherwise, there's only one person that is um, bothering the Hall of Fame.
1: If it's not the one I'm thinking of, I'm going to. Is it the narrator?
0: Uh, well, it's it, it's a bit of narration at one mm. point, um, yeah, with regards, to, yeah. It's the, um, um,
1: because I had to look this up, right? I'm going to keep the listener in suspense a little bit here. At one point, I think it's when the killing of the guy in the National Trust Park who's moaning about the dog excrement. Yes. You get this voiceover yes. of a very familiar voice narrating Jerusalem. Is it William William Blake, Jerusalem, I think? It is, yeah. And it's like, I know that voice. But it's an older sounding, you know, trembling sort of like, oh, hello. I had to look this up this morning because it suddenly reminded me. Am I right in saying it's John Hurt is the narrator here?
0: You're absolutely right. He (gasps) he has that tiny voice appearance in this, which does mean he's got three appearances (laughs) um, (laughs) on the podcast. Having previously been in A Man for All Seasons and Ten Wellington Place. Of um yeah, totally. so and here he here he is sneaking in to having uh, his entry into the, the village hall of fame. But um otherwise no, we were, it was there's no. nobody. No, I mean, there's not a massive cast list, as we said. No. I mean, as far as uh, accredited cast, there's only 37 people who are in it, you know, and a couple of them are people who are uncredited and background people. Of course. But certainly, it doesn't bring the avalanche that we had from the, the film with Tony the, the week. But um, no, it was uh, interesting to find there was at least one person was making their appearance in the Village Hall of Fame, considering how majority of this cast were unknown to the Hall of Fame. I mean, as you said, there's a, a number of people there we can look at and say, We've seen them in things before. Yeah. I mean, you've got Tony Weir. That's the first it one is, I was going to mention. He's in all sorts of things. And at some point in the future, we'll probably appear in the Hall the of Fame. He's been lots of TV and, and films. He's got a, a very distinct look about him. Yes. Some people might recognise him from the recent G- Ricky Gervais TV series. Derek? Um, it, no, no. Well, I think he's in a couple of I think he's in, in it, Derek, the,
1: he's, yeah, but, but the Afterlife. Um,
0: or, oh. Afterlife, he's in there. He's one of the, the people who works in the office with, with him. Um <laughs> yes. So uh, he's in a number of things and will, um, you know, some big things, is getting big parts in some big productions. Go so he to, will at some point, as his it. career progresses, um, coming as well. We've got um, Monica Dolan, who is a fantastic actress who is enormously chameleon-like, you know, can play old women who are serial killers down to, you know, (laughs) um, these, you know, posh like she is in this, plays a, a, a snobby um, posh woman, and and she can also play, you know, some almost council estate fishwife type yep. screaming over a garden fence. She's somebody we recognise, and, and certainly has a, a massive pedigree. There's also Jonathan Harris, who although he's not had a, a, a number of appearances, at Hall of Fame wise. Um, certainly recognizable for any, any number of things him particularly been a, a side character in the sherlock with benedict cumberbatch Um he ah, right. was um the obsessive who was obsessed about um that sherlock wasn't dead and was had all this you know the strings and photos on a, a board on the wall and stuff so but there are as i say a couple of others as well uh you know richard lumsden and and etc that um we recognize from tv productions and and things um that are have been more recent but because we don't touch upon the the recent as much at the moment they've yet to um to appear to become but they there's an as i said those people particularly i imagine would be not far off exactly
1: uh, we don't focus too much on on fairly recent movies uh, we've had a couple. Tony and I have sort of the legend the only Tom Hardy and, and the Darkest Hour with Gary. Who, who else was
0: in in that with Tom Hardy?
1: Oh, well, who, who played
0: it the it other? There was one. Tom Hardy played Tom one Hardy of the. Hardy played one the other of them.
1: One. But Tony could not, for the life of him, work out who played the other Cray brother. That's right. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> I want to look to exactly like Tom Hardy. <laughs> I love that.
1: I love that anecdote that Tony didn't realise that Tom Hardy played both Ronnie and Reggie Cray.
0: Yeah, of course, we can take the piss out of that, but um, of, of course, Charlie can't.
1: Oh, Charlie and uh, Doctor Strange. Peter yeah, Peter Sellers in Doctor Strange. Uh, for listeners that don't know, Charlie is one of my co hosts on the Stinking Paws podcast. Stephen, this is going back about seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, but we're not like, going to let him go. We're not going to let it go, are we? Charlie watched dr love for the very first time knowing that peter sellers was in it and i switched on the microphones mentioning like the multiple parts that peter sellers played and he looked at me and he went what do you mean
0: he thought, and then you press record i press record pressed record but yeah. that's when you then did the intro to the show yeah and um, without him having the ability to follow up that throwaway <laughs> comment you would made
1: he thought that Peter Sellers was, I can't remember, it was, I don't think it was even the president, I think it might have been Mandrake, Mandrake, it? I think was the only one he thought was Peter Sellers, not realising that Doctor Strange love and you know, all those, those five or whatever it was he was playing in it, three characters, he didn't realise at all.
0: Brilliant, but uh, as I say, with the, the Hall of Fame, going back to that, there's going to be a number of people who we will see again. And I'd be, you know, disappointed if we didn't see particularly Alice Lowe and, and Steve yeah. Oren, because I'd hope that they do something together again. I mean, obviously, they can't continue the story of these two characters. Um,
1: <laughs> no, about revealing what progresses. But they
0: could do something together. And I think that they obviously work well as a partnership. Oh, the writing um, and, is superb and, and, in this, as you said. Yeah. it is. It comes across, like you say, in a, a Mike Lee mm. way, because uh, for those that you know, aren't that familiar with Mike Lee, there's, uh, it's a lot of stuff that's just workshopped and ad-libbed and just done with the actors inhabiting the characters and creating their own dialogue to an extent. Yep. And this comes across you know, in the same vein as where the, the dialogue is, but it's nice. it's could be finely crafted as far as we can work out. So it'd be disappointing if they didn't go... Do something together again, but what they've done in this gets them, in theory, two ticks in the box of the Hall of Fame by being the writers and the stars. Are we
1: including um, that
0: then? Well, if we decide to take that that route, then. They've only got to have one more appearance each, but I don't know what that will be because at the moment what they have done, I don't think there's anything we're going to be looking at immediately. So they might have a little bit of a wait. Um, yeah. But when they do, um, they'll be welcoming considering the quality they've given us. I saw
1: quite recently the the one that Alice Lowe did fairly soon after It's called Prevenge. Yes, I she, think
0: that he was involved in that as well. Yes, he as well,
1: there? and it was really funny. She's very good at the, uh, that sort of... Uh, Murderous type character. Slight amendments, your Hall of Fame, my friend. You mentioned Richard Lumsden, who is a very familiar yes. face, and he played the Rambler that was moaning about the dog excrement and paced through, through his life. That's a second appearance for him. Oh, all right we just mentioned The Darkest Hour apparently in The Darkest Hour he played a character called Generalisme so that's yeah, two right.
0: yeah two that, second appearance head. then for him Then, so I missed that so. yeah sorry about uh, that I just no, noticed no, that no, but... I, I wanted it to be correct so I don't mm. mind being corrected that's good then yeah, so... he's one step closer himself then so hopefully because he's a good character actor as well yes. so hopefully we'll see him crop up in something in the the near future there'll be something there'll
1: be something he appeared in that Sense and Sensibility from 1995 the Amaton Thompson version of that, you know, we'll get to that eventually. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, a very trouble-free Hall of Fame for you this week, mate, which is quite remarkable.
0: Well, it goes in waves. Um, (laughs) Never predict one film to the next, Right, I know how much it's going to be bothered, so we shall see.
1: Yeah. Well, in summary with this movie, I mean... (laughs) I'm glad that I sort of judged your sense of humour correctly. I knew there'd be something in this that would appeal to you.
0: Were you expecting it to be as black as it was? I expected it to be black. I didn't expect it to be funny. I expected it to be more of a horror than it actually was Ah, because um, of, I don't know if I've misremembered when it had originally been described to me five years ago or whatever. Yeah. So I was expecting it to be a bit more of maybe even like Friday the 13th slasher sort of spree type thing I don't know so I thought it was going to be more Horror than a black comedy. Yeah. Um, so I was incredibly pleasantly surprised by it, and certainly is a film that already since watching it on Thursday, I've, mm-hmm. I've been you know recommended it to at least one person. <laughs> so I'm trying to watch it again. So yes, I'm you know certainly here and now recommending that although it's not for everybody, it's certainly you know it's something for uh, many people to go and and see because it's under the wire, and not many people know about it, and that is doing it a massive disservice.
1: If If you like the Edgar Wright stuff this fits in perfectly not as part of the Cornetto trilogy but in that style you know I think the audience for the Edgar Wright stuff would would get this. Certain fans of Mike Lee would appreciate this some might find it a bit too disturbing and a bit too graphic for those that like their comedy a little bit more gentle it doesn't outstay its welcome it's a punchy 88 minutes or whatever which is a perfect length for a comedy we say this all the time don't we 90 minutes is yes comedy's ideal length that you know that you can get a decent comedy and a decent storyline in there and be prepared for some surprises you know what I would even suggest that people don't watch the trailer if they haven't seen this because I think the trailer gives away a bit too much going sort of almost as blind as Stephen did because I've got a feeling that this is right up there for you mate as you said you were quite keen to watch it again.
0: Yeah I think the other way in which I think it ties in with both Mike Lee films and with Edgar Wright films particularly the Cornetto trilogy yeah. is that it benefits from a rewatch because there are such details in there that are easy to miss the first time around That watching it oh. again mm-hmm. you pick up on a line or in this I think there's details that they have. this things to do with like dog leads and and (laughs) things that are graffiti on walls and and other bits and pieces like that that happen to add to it but uh, you don't have to see to enjoy the film but if you rewatch it, you pick up on it. and that happens with Makeley films and with Edgar's sort other of films, so absolutely it benefits from it's not a film you watch once and go right, well I've seen it now or you think, Well yeah, I'll I'll watch that again at some point and I'll get more out of it. Do
1: you know what, this was a second watch for me and I watched it when it first came out, so ten years ago pretty much. And as you say, you spot stuff on a second viewing and I sort of misremembered my first viewing. You know as, as they're going round to all these wonderful places like the Critch Tramway Museum, the Keswick Pencil Museum, and this, yeah, and, and the, like the tea rooms and stuff like that. I sort of remember them as sort of them taking the Mickey out of them a bit, you know, being this sort of very sedate activity, and you know, it's the sort of places where old couples go and all this. Stuff. I got the sense they were actually sort of celebrating those sort of places. They weren't mocking them at all. No,
0: well, I did read um, when I did a, a modicum mm. of research into this. Yeah, I did read that all of the places where they'd filmed yeah. were incredibly willing to cooperate with them and open because they weren't in any way mocking or deriding or denigrating any of these places. Yeah, It was the characters that were the point of fun. The, the situation was to some extent immaterial in that so that these locations and the people who ran the locations were perfectly happy to take it on board. They weren't the butt of the joke. And um, that comes which across. Which is, is very yeah. important because quite a, quite easily could have turned into that but it was the essence of this is that the characters are people who inhabit that world and just uh, essentially wanted originally to have this sedate and what some people could say was mundane holiday when which then derails it certainly does (laughs) but it it, that's not because there's any problem with going to a pencil museum or or anything. it's due to people basically Uh,
1: our friend ben went to the Keswick Museum, the Pencil Museum, not long after this came out.
0: Oh, I've been there when, when I was have younger. Have you been, I've been there as well? Yeah. I've, I've been to a number of these. They, they, there's a number of these locations on this um, this film, which I have been to. Let's face at one point that she's writing home to her mother saying, you're wrong about Yorkshire. The people do smile and you can get my um, pasta sauce. My pasta here.
1: sauce here. Excellent. That, again, a yeah. running gag, because all she cooks is pasta. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's those little
1: touches. Pasta sauce is Victoria Wood. We've said this all the way through, yeah. you know. I'm glad you enjoyed it, mate. It could have gone either way with this, but you were the ideal audience for me to recommend this to and I mean your version of recommendations to people about streaming services and where to find it just tell people to seek this out I think is, is going to be the best advice we can give isn't it
0: oh absolutely I think it, it deserves people to make that effort to see it wherever they can it doesn't outstate its welcome so uh, although it's got plenty in it it does rattle past it's done and dusted fairly quickly the essence of good comedy in a lot of ways yeah so uh, yes absolutely would recommend people go a bit out of their way Way to try and see it they most likely to see it on a streaming service rather than see it on the cinema but I, I imagine it's one of those cinema experiences where you'll find half the audience uh, you know all laughing at the same time out loud just because mm. of the way the humour works
1: it's got the elements of it becoming a cult classic I feel that will be screened at cinemas as a celebratory event regularly people could... turn up in their anoraks yeah I could see that I could absolutely, see yeah, yeah, absolutely well that was sightseers I oh, Believe it's your choice of movie next time, my friend. So so. let's take a quick break, then we'll be back after this. And there we go that was sightseers ben wheatley which was my choice so tradition dictates that it must be your turn mate to choose the next movie for us what you got in store
0: well although there was a massive temptation to actually go to the next mike lee Full on the rat. list which would have been <laughs> life is sweet i believe yes i decided to not take that route okay i decided that thematically um i'd, I'd carry on to some extent from uh, what we've just watched mm. um, with people taking what could be considered not just a holiday but potentially their last holiday therefore decide to put on the table from 1950 uh, Last Holiday starring Alec Guinness.
1: I don't know this movie. Last Holiday, Alec Guinness, I Alec Guinness, 1950. It's alright, because there is a Queen Latifah movie called Last Holiday, which I'm sure that well, is that's... a remake of is this. It, is it really? Oh, yep. okay. Uh, <laughs> let's have a look. <laughs> 1950. don't oh. we
0: watch them and compare them to. <laughs> so don't worry about that.
1: Is this... Because uh, I know the plot of the Queen Latifah one is that she's told she's going to die. Mm-hmm. Right, so I'm assuming... I'm just looking at the summary here. After a lonely unappreciated farm equipment salesman discovers he has only a few weeks to live we've draws his savings for a final holiday at Posh Resort I think I have seen this actually J.B. Priestley J.B. Priestley which uh, yep. you know your favourite well policy, one of your favourites yeah I mean yeah. I, obviously
0: you know I'm a fan of a number of film adaptations of a number of, of things that he's written I mean he adapted sc- screenplays himself but yeah the writing of J.B. Priestley with this with um, contributions from J. Lee Thompson yes I've just seen this
1: Yeah, um, and, and can I say thank you for making yeah. a Sid James movie <laughs>
0: Sid <laughs> James isn't um, is in it Bernard Lee is in it Wilford Hyde White Wilfred Hyde White Moultrie yeah, Kelso. Um, we've seen a few Maltry times Moultrie Kelso. so uh, yes I'm, you know, I'm creating work for myself oh. with the Hall of Fame on this one um, as opposed to what you did <laughs> for me, almost threw me a week off so yes I was surprised you said you hadn't seen it but as it turns out you I how
1: um, yeah, because of the Sid James element to it, I'm pretty sure I would have seen this. And the fact that he goes to a hotel—that's ringing a few bells. So, yeah, probably oh, Ernest Thesiger's in it. David McCallum, senior. I'm yeah. just looking through this list. Charles Lloyd Pack—he's been about a few times. Oh, looking forward to this. Bernard Lee. This is what we need—a good 50s comedy. We've covered the 50s carry-ons and you know a few of the other bits and pieces, but this is the sort I know, of movie that we've, we've we... done precious few. Ali- Yeah, but this is the sort of movie that I thought would be the backbone of this podcast, this sort of movie, and it hasn't been. And do you know what? Nice one. Nice one, sir. Absolutely. (laughs) And do you know what as well? I'm sort of getting in the habit of watching the movies we review on a Friday evening, which is what you tend to do. 90% 90% of the time
0: don't you it's like a yes, Friday evening yeah. thing for
1: it. so you've got to be very careful what you choose because is it a Friday evening type movie some some movies don't suit a Friday night
0: and there are times when the things that you or I have suggested where I've tried to then watch them if we have a bank holiday watch it in yeah. the afternoon or watch it on a Saturday afternoon say, in yeah. order that you know you watch it in what we in our expert opinion would consider to be the, the right time frame <laughs> uh, and time zone to make it um, work. work yeah, yeah. because uh, we know when every film should be watched. <laughs> this this is a Sunday
1: afternoon job, but I will probably yeah. yeah. Um so me being on holiday next week, it will be probably one of next weekends. Let's hope that's viewing. not your last holiday. Oh, can you imagine my last holiday or oh, I could get arrested for like you know some severe murdering spree that I go on. <laughs> in spree. You know, when yeah, somebody just... drops a, a Cornetto wrapper somewhere down in Devon where I'm going. <laughs> oh.
0: What you need to do when you're buying supplies for the journey, you can buy yourself and Paul a Cornetto each for the journey (laughs) down there. And he won't get the job, but you will. He won't, because
1: as much as I adore Paul, you know, as a friend (laughs) and a podcasting, you know, companion, I don't think sightseers would have been his cup of tea. I'm not too sure. He's, yeah. So
0: Charlie, but not Paul. Charlie
1: would have adored it, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. I'm glad you enjoyed it as well, mate.
0: I did, and thank you for giving me the nudge to finally uh, watch it, despite having it waiting on my list. So um, great you did that and got me to finally uh, watch and appreciate um, something even I had been um, overlooking.
1: Fantastic. Well, that's it. That's been Sightseers. This has been Real Britannia. I've been Scott. He's been Stephen. Take care, mate. I'll see you very soon. Take care. that you shine. Bon boy also.
0: Good luck. Thank you.
1: Watch your hand up, sir. I'm sick of paint. <laughs>